Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, but real quick before we get to them, I have to tell you about Certified Piedmontese because this is a brand I am so excited about. In fact, I will never forget the first time I had Certified Piedmontese. The crown jewel of my initial visit to Casa Bovina was a beautiful rib cap that was so lean and tender, it was almost silky in texture. The moment that beef hit my taste buds, I was hooked. These animals are raised all natural on a network of family ranches across the Midwest, so Certified Piedmontese is able to cut out the middleman and buy directly from the source. And while I highly encourage you to check out Casa Bovina, you can savor this beef at home, too. Whether you order off Piedmontese.com or by calling one 800 414-3487, your purchase will be shipped directly to your front door. Plus, when you use my discount code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now, to my guest. Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin'. And around mid-March, I started seeing a ton of social media buzz about this new barbecue spot in Bellevue. People were telling me that I had to try it and the pictures look great, but I was I had that stupid mindset where I was just like, ah, it's so far. Do I want to drive all the way to Bellevue? It's gonna be, you know, 25 minutes, whatever. I've got my favorite barbecue spots in Omaha. But people just kept hitting me, and my friends were just like, dude, you gotta try this. And now that I've experienced it, I know exactly why they pushed me so hard. And now I want to be that same pushing force to get you to go visit my guest today. This is Scott Fogel. He owns Mission Avenue Barbecue in Bellevue. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure to have you here. So let's let's just start off. I'm so interested to get your answer just to this very high-level question because all it takes is a couple bites of your barbecue, and it's just like, whoa. (laughs) <laughs> this is smoked meat like I've experienced in Omaha or around Omaha, but there's something distinctly different to it. What is it that you think sets yours apart as something wholly unique? Well, we're Texas style. Uh, we really focus on the brisket. Brisket is king in Texas. Um, uh, when I was looking to, to move up here, uh, I, I went around, I ate a lot of places, and there, there's some guys up here doing some great brisket, but I noticed that there was kind of a hole in the brisket specifically up here. So um, that's but I learned in Texas, that's what I wanted to bring up here. And, um, it's a, it's just a very simple, different style of cooking. We re, we really watch our meats, um, throughout the whole cooking process too. We don't do a, a time versus temperature type of cook. We, um, we treat every individual piece of meat as its own. So that means I'm feeling every single piece of meat. I'm watching every single piece of meat. I'm wrapping it when it needs to be wrapped, which means that piece might need to be wrapped. This one might not be there yet. So we, it's just the, the attention to detail more than anything, I think, is what kind of sets us apart. I had another um, pitmaster and, and barbecue restaurant owner come on the show and talk about, like, all animals, just like all people, are different. different. They're shaped different. Yeah. They have different, uh, you know, percentage of muscle, different sure. percentage of fat. Some are bigger. Some are smaller. To Absolutely. treat them all the same and just say, oh, my brisket, you know, goes on the smoker yeah. for 14 hours at it doesn't work that degree. way. No, it doesn't work that <laughs> way at all. You're going to get a super inconsistent you're gonna, cook. You're never going to get a consistent cook if you want to if you want to take that route. Um, another common thing is a lot of people you'll see briskets with meat probes, mm. like in different parts of it. Um, we don't do any of that. Um, some of the best advice I was ever getting given by one of my mentors in Austin was um, throw your thermometer away. It's just going to lie to you for the exact same reasons you just mentioned uh, different fa- uh, fat content and different size you can have a brisket you know the golden numbers on brisket are 197 to 202 is what you read on the internet that's when you pull it off and you, you read about the stall at 170s um just forget all about that like i could pull off one of my favorite questions i get is what temperature do you pull your briskets off and my answer is i have no clue i really have no clue but I guarantee you that if I pulled one off at 202 and another one off 202, they might be completely different. One might be done, one might not. Um, so we do everything by look, and then that, that tells us when to wrap the brisket. And then at the end, when we're going to pull, that's when we start feeling different parts of the brisket and um, and understanding that the fat has rendered properly and that, that slice is going to be good. So. So is it all just that touch and feel it's that you feel separates feel. your brisket from now? And we're not saying anything bad about other no, briskets and, in and, Omaha and, and area. I think but, there's some guys here that have that down. 
Right. Um, there definitely are. There's some good brisket in this market for sure. But um, that's what it is. You've got to understand how what that meat, um, how it's constructed, and for lack of a better word. Like um, a brisket's two muscles. You know, you've got a really fatty one and you've got a lean one, and they, the fatty sits on top of the of the lean. Um, so they, they render at a different rate. So you've got to really know where to feel and how to feel to know that that fat is rendered right, or else you're going to have tough, or you could overcook. If it gets too soft on you, you're going to have a real hard time getting a nice pretty slice out of it. So at mm-hmm. that point, it's not the end of the world. you go got to chop, but still, you, you miss out on a whole brisket of, of, of really nice slices. Like, they'll just fall apart on you. And that's <laughs> so just- there's a little window in between, and that's what I shoot for. And, and you know, it wasn't easy to learn. I remember standing over the pit at two, three months in going, I'm never going to get this. And then all of a sudden it just kind of clicked one day. And um, I've cooked well over 12,000 briskets now. And it's kind of second nature. Like, I don't even think about it anymore. I, people thought, tell me about they have trouble cooking a brisket. And I'm like, man, it's easy. But then I remember back trying to learn this, you know. Not everybody's fortunate enough to be working with, like, in Style Switch where I worked in, in Texas. We did 50 briskets a day. I mean, who gets to do 50 briskets every day. <laughs> so you, you learn, yeah, you learn pretty quick. If you don't, you need a new job. <laughs> Tell me about that moment when it clicked. What was that like for you? It was just like a light bulb went off. Things started feeling like I finally understood just how everything felt. And I'm going like this because you feel the sides of the brisket, you know, and, and there's different parts of it that I will do a, a little feel test. And, um, and that's, I think kind of what sets you apart is being able to cook every, I think that's what makes a pit master, even though I'm not a big fan of that word. I don't like, you say you mastered something, something's going to jump up and bite you at some point. <laughs> I don't know will. But I think what makes a good pit master is being able to cook all meats just by look and feel. And then having the ability, if something does go wrong, how do you save it? And, uh, and I've had lots of practice. I've been in lots of situations. So setting pits on fire, all, all sorts of fun stuff. So, Pretty much I've, I've seen, I'll never say I've seen it all, but I've seen a lot. So I think being able to react um, also helps us out quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I would say one of the other things, at least from my point of view, you feel free to correct me if I'm wrong because you know more than I do. The other major thing that separates your restaurant and your barbecue from anything else I've had around here is the rub. Is mm-hmm. It is, from at least from what I can tell, it's salt and pepper. And it's very peppery. Like you, you get is. you get that that's pepper. It's pepper the forward. Texas for it's got a little spice to it. I love it, and it yeah. creates a brilliant bark on the outside. Sure. Just and I understand that's not for everyone. I, but but that that is that is Texas style black pepper, black pepper and salt. And I've had people tell me I need to sell my rub, and I'm like, well, you've probably got it in your cabinet already <laughs> at home. Um, but yeah, pretty much our our flavor profile is straight up. Salt and pepper, and I'm an open book. I'll, I'll show anybody anything. I'll tell you what I do because it's really about the time and the experience and your your fire control, your fire management, your your temperature control. Um, that's what it's all about. That you just have to kind of experience for yourself. But I'll I'll tell you anything I do. Um, sometimes we'll we'll put a little bit of granulated garlic on the ribs as well. But other than that, it is we're pretty much a straight up salt and kosher pepper salt. Yeah, that's it. How do you teach that? Like, how, how do you teach employees? Because you talk about how it's it's all it's all sight, it's all feel, it's it all is. about just experience. It just so- comes from doing it over and over and over and over and over again every day. Down to the, I have a very specific way I expect my briskets to be trimmed. Same with my ribs. Um, it's just doing it over and over and over and over again. And believe it or not, the seasoning is not exactly easy. You get somebody in there that's new to it and. Like you got to control that as well. Like you can get real salty or real peppery real quick. So it's just all by feel though. So I've been doing it a long time. <laughs> really is what it is. So I feel like when we discuss barbecue, so often we just, we divide the country into these regions. You got Kansas mm-hmm. city, you got Memphis, you got Alabama, you got North Carolina. Sure. And then Texas is usually just kind of thrown in as, Oh, Texas style barbecue. Sure. But Texas is huge. It is. And there are all kinds of different regions and pockets around Texas. Texas that have different For styles sure. of barbecue. You get so, into South Texas, you're, you're going to deal with some guys here who are going to be working with mesquite. Right. Um, you get over into East Texas and you're going to find some guys that are working with hickory. Um, I'm from the central Texas region, which is Austin and surrounding areas, which is going to be more post Oak. Um, 
And uh, they've all got a little bit different flavor profile depending on where you are in the state of Texas. But right now, Central Texas barbecue seems to be about the most popular in the world. I mean, I can't tell you the international people that I've met in the past 10 years in this business in Austin. I mean, tons of Australians, tons of Europeans. They're having pits sent over from Austin left and right. And, and it's becoming a huge part of their culture as well. And I think that's pretty cool because ultimately the thing that barbecue no matter where you're from has in common is it's mainly about friends and family and getting everybody together. And that's pretty much the common denominator. Then you get people that want to argue about who's got the best region. But what's more important to me is just that, that aspect of it, the, the friends and family part that, that that's what it's all about to me. Like I do my style. I try to stay true to what, what I learned, but, um, but uh, so far it's been just, it's been great. It's been really good. It's been, it's been a career that I don't regret getting into at all. Never looked back. Well, so. Speaking of friends and family, we were just talking off the mics, and, and you said something that was really interesting to me and in that, you know, not only is it just customers having that friends and family atmosphere, but you as a as a, as a cook and someone who worked in, in restaurants For sure. down in Texas, there's a very familial feel among restaurants and Sorry, I'm going to use the word pitmasters. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> uh, pit experts, wh- whatever we want to call sure. that, that you know person who's great at smoking meats, but it's 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 a real like community. Can you kind of tell me a little bit sure more is. about that? Yeah, in Texas, it's a really big community. Everybody knows everybody. I mean, there there are some rifts in the community like any other, but um, for the most part, everybody knows each other and very friendly and very supportive of each other. And and that's a really neat thing about the Texas culture and the texas barbecue culture in particular it's you know i've got a friend who um who got into the barbecue business after being career military and uh he was front lines deployed 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 severed ptsd and he credits barbecue with literally saving his life because he found like the the same kind of brotherhood within that community that he had in the military and he's told me that on more than one occasion. And it's it's that kind of atmosphere, and it, it's really fun to be a part of, which I'm new here. I haven't found that up here yet, but but hopefully someday. Most of the people I do know here are my customers, too. So um, we, we have some, some great regulars that have really been supporting us, like, extremely well. <laughs> I'd love to hear that. Yeah, Mission Avenue Barbecue is still pretty new. I believe you guys opened in March. Yeah, we just uh, yes. completed our second month being open. Congratulations! Yeah. And we started out. Uh, I just opened the doors. I didn't. I didn't push or promote. I just wanted to kind of ease into it, let my staff get used to barbecue because barbecue is a different animal than other restaurants. And uh, it, that lasted about half a day, and then we had hit the social medias, and we were slammed for a good month straight. <laughs> barbecue is a different animal than other restaurants. How so? Um, well, first of all, when you're out, you're out. You know, it's not like you're quick firing something. When you're out of brisket, you don't just go throw another one on, like cooking another burger. So mm-hmm. there has been issues with us running out of things, which it can irritate some people. But I think we've pretty much dialed those in, and we figured, we've, we're figured we figuring out our pars. It's trying to find a pattern every day of what, what we need to be cooking. Um, we'll still have the occasional day where we get hit harder than we expected and we're out by six. But for the most part, we've gotten most of those issues taken care of. Like we're lasting through the whole day. So that, that shouldn't be an issue any longer. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's been very well. It's been going very well so far. I've heard that frustration from other barbecue restaurant owners as well. Just that people, especially here, I, I imagine in Austin, it's more part of the culture, but people here just don't understand the concept of a meat selling out. And, right. I, and I can understand if you've been excited, you've been thinking, oh man, I'm yeah. going to go get and this brisket. You've been, thinking it, you've been thinking about it all day mm-hmm. and the restaurant doesn't have it. I can understand that. But from a customer point of view, there also needs to be that understanding that of exactly what you said. I mean, we've talked so much already in just these 10, 15 minutes about the amount of feel and expertise it takes to slowly create these flavors over multiple hours oh multiple hours. yeah you're not just throwing another burger on the flat top or or putting another sandwich together you can't just make a brisket appear out of nowhere it takes so much time from start to finish my briskets it's probably a 15 hour process and i'm including the trimming and seasoning in there yeah um like yeah anybody that has a question about it anyone's welcome to come shadow me for a day if they want but they better get a good night's sleep before they come because (laughs) my day is a very very long day 
it's a very long day and it it takes a lot of time to do what we do you better be you better enjoy it or you're not gonna you're not gonna go last mm-hmm. long in this business mm-hmm. <laughs> but my day starts at 5 30 in the morning and it ends somewhere around two in the morning so it's it's a full day it's a long day with a couple of naps throughout the day in between when i can get them and here you are giving an hour to this dopey podcast oh, thank yeah, you so much no, scott no, this I, is great i already appreciated you coming but now i appreciate it <laughs> even more yeah um so i want to tease some taste buds by getting into a few of your meats and okay. you already obliged me we talked brisket already if, sure. unless there's more you want to talk about with brisket but i feel like we got into that pretty good i'm interested in your pork okay because texas barbecue is not known it's for not pork it, it's it's it, beef it's sausage it's ribs like pork cold pork is kind of an afterthought i was gonna say that exact yeah. thing like i was looking at some of the websites at previous places that you worked at and it's present it's definitely it's there. offered but it's definitely not highlighted. But your pork, it is so juicy, yeah. and you you can cut that with like a spork. It is so good. Sure. How, how like what made you say pork isn't something that's been emphasized during my career, but I want this to be a part of my menu here. Well, I knew that pork was a bigger part of the culture up here than it was in Texas. It that, is. That was one of the and. and if I'm going to do anything, I want to do it the best I, I possibly can. I don't want to and pork especially pork butt tends to be in my opinion people will under season it it's a big piece of meat it can hold a lot of seasoning so it can it can turn out bland uh the other thing that i see with it is it it they don't cook it long enough so it can be tough too um pork is one of those things i i suggest to people if they're just getting into smoking start with that because it's really pretty easy um i always cook the fat cap up i wait for the fat cap to split then I wrap it. I cook it along with my briskets. I cook it almost as long as I do my briskets. And then it's got that bone. Once that slides out, you're good. Um, and I just do a heavy seasoning. It's one of the few things that I actually mix a, a rub in a tub, and the, and I actually roll them in there. So I make sure I get a good seasoning. Everything else we season by hand. But um, the pork we go heavy on. And uh, I've been known to play with the rub a little bit on that one. That one can be a little different depending on the day you're in. I'm still trying to dial it in, but I've, I've added – it's definitely salt and pepper based. That's the base of everything, 50-50. But on the pork butt in particular, sometimes I'll add a little bit of chili pepper or powder. Sometimes I'll add a little bit of granulated garlic, just play with the flavor profile a little bit. But basically, I just make sure it's seasoned very, very well. And I make sure that bone comes out every single time mm-hmm. so I know it's done. Mm-hmm. People, if you think you've had good pulled pork or if you <laughs> think pulled pork isn't good... <laughs> Go get some of Scott's pork. That's it's. I have a hard time excellent. eating all of it now. So I've been around it so long. Yeah, but the real sleeper on the menu is the turkey. I, man, yeah, you are just on it. I was just about to ask you about that, the turkey, and the turkey is on the menu because of me. Okay, well, tell <laughs> that, me why. Because I really can't eat the heavy meats anymore. The brisket, the the ribs, the pulled porks. It's just it's so heavy, and I've been around it and doing it so long that. I really like the turkey. Like the turkey is just something that I've personally liked. So I spent a lot of time dialing that one in and uh, I've got, I've got the turkey figured out. Okay. So let's talk about the turkey because turkey is normally something I avoid because <laughs> you're not the only person we've heard that from a lot of so many. The just, only way we've gotten it to sell is we've, we started handing out samples and now we've got a, a serious base of people that come in just for turkey. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, turkey is so often dry, sure. bland. I mean, mm-hmm. 90% of America has no idea how to cook a turkey, and yet we're all cooking it every Thanksgiving. Right. And so we have it, and we're just like, okay, I don't need turkey again for 364 days. But I had one of my followers and a, uh, a loyal listener of this show, Mike Johnson, shout out to you, you're <laughs> amazing. He kept hitting me up, and he was like, dude, this turkey will change how you think about turkey. So tell me, how do you take this this meat that everyone associates with just being so incredibly average and inject that kind of life into it because your turkey is anything but dry and bland. It's how you cook it, really. It's it's all in the cooking process. That is the one piece of meat that we actually do use a meat probe on um, because I have a very specific temperature of where I want it to come off and start resting, and that is actually about 10 degrees below what the USDA says that you should. Uh, they, they say 165. I pull them at 155. We wrap them in foil. And then we put them in a warmer with the rest of the meats, which it will naturally raise that 
temperature, and you will eventually hit around 165 to 170, which is my mark where I want it to be. If you pull it at 165, we found that it'll it'll rise into like the 180s, and it can even creep into the 190s. And then, and that's when you start drying out. That's when you start drying out. And to be honest, 155 is perfectly safe to eat. It is. It's just um, if you go to any culinary school, they're gonna they're gonna suggest you pull some poultries off at 155, and because it will it'll continue to cook. So you're not in any food safety danger, but you're also not going to dry out the bird. So mm-hmm. we, we've we've been doing that for years now, and it's it's been great. And, and again, it's just a salt and pepper rub. That's all it is, salt and pepper. Um, we have a style that we cook. We cook fresh. Everything is fresh. Um, we don't even have a freezer. Oh wow! Really? No, not even. We, we, you've been. We, we're yeah. We're, there's not a lot of we're limited on space, so <laughs> we have our refrigeration, and that's it. So um, the only thing that we use out of a can is ketchup, and we use that as the base of our barbecue sauce, which is all made in house. All three of our barbecue sauces are. Um, all of our sides are made daily: our beans, corn, potato salad, slaw, everything made daily. Um, we 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 don't get complex or complicated. We just get fresh, good ingredients, and, and we let it speak for itself, basically. That and the, the time and, and, the, and the smoke from the wood, and that, that's our seasoning. Mm-hmm. We just keep it simple and fresh. And I think people tend to overcomplicate things sometimes. I've seen rubs with, like, 25 ingredients in them. First of all, it's not cost-effective. And second of all, I just don't think it's necessary. Let the meat speak for itself. We use a very good brisket. Um, we do use a, a high-quality brisket. We, uh, we use a Nyman Ranch cab brisket so that um it's a very good good brisket mm-hmm. it's quality that's basically the name of the game mm-hmm. we we don't get into the wagyus and stuff like that um very expensive and uh, it's almost like cheating we're supposed to be taking a like a really bad piece of meat a tough piece of meat and making it spectacular you know so Part of me wants to get a select sometime and just get the cheapest one I possibly can and see what see, see what how, you can see do how it, it turns out. There's a place in Texas called Snow's Barbecue. They're they're famous. Oh, world yeah, famous. World yeah, famous. Snow's Tootsie. is amazing. Old Tootsie. Um, they've been number one on the Texas Monthly Top 50 list, which comes out every four years. I think I think they've only had three out. She's been number one twice, and it's because she uses a select brisket. That's what they use. Straight up the cheapest brisket they can get, and they turn it into brisket gold. So... But right now, I'm I'm really happy with the Nyman Ranch briskets that we're getting. So nice. So uh, the last menu item I wanted to ask you about is the tacos uh-huh. because you could take. I mean, we've talked about how great all your meats are. You could take any of those, just throw them in a flour tortilla, maybe throw some onion and cilantro, whatever you want to throw on top of them, and say. There you go. And people would love it. That would be a great taco. Oh, and that's a that's a thing that people are doing left and right in Texas right now. That is a very common thing. I noticed it wasn't so common up here, so I figured I'd try it. And I'm still trying to get some traction on the taco part of, of the menu. But um, the people that love it, love it. But yes, I, I'm among that group. And people need to try your tacos. And what I wanted to ask you about is each meat specifically is mm-hmm. paired with, with a different Garnish, yes, for sure. So if you get a brisket taco, it's got the guac, it's, it's got the red salsa. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. wildly different and from what cheese. Yes, yeah. on the turkey taco. Mm-hmm. What like how, how did you pair the flavors of those meats with what's going to go well in this taco together? Well, I designed kind of the sauces around the meats. So we have three different sauces. We have our traditional Texas red, which has got a lot of black pepper in it. Uh, that goes great with beef. We have a more of a mustard-based one that's got a serrano kick to it, so it's a little spicier. That one pairs wonderfully with poultry. Um, and then we've got or, – or pork. That one really goes well with pork. Uh, and then the third one we have is um, basically a, it's a tomatillo barbecue sauce, and that one goes great with poultry. That one's the one that we use on the, on the turkey taco. And basically it was just trial and error, just what goes good with what, you know, it's we've been doing this a long time and in texas tacos tacos are as big as brisket so you know and in texas you it's the the scene has progressed a lot more than it has in other parts of the of the country you're getting guys in texas now that are up for james beard's awards um you're not gonna you're not gonna be successful in texas with uh with your traditional barbecue menu anymore you're not going to make it if you just walk in and you've got potato salad, beans, and and meats. Like, people are pushing. You got guys that are 
doing Indian flavors. There's guys doing Egyptian flavors. There's there's all sorts of stuff. Really? The Tex-Mex thing has been going on for a long time. Yeah. Like You're, you're going to have to elevate it a little bit to make it down there. And so I'm trying to bring some of that here and slowly work it in. But some of it there's been some pushback on. And I, they're not quite ready for it. I mean, we were doing some crazy stuff in Texas. We were we were pickling pineapple with uh, with uh, jalapenos at the oh, same that time. So it was awesome. like a, a little spicy. sweet heat with the yeah. pickle, and, the and, acid, and that was these were going to be the sides that we were selling with our meats. We did a a, a straw a pickled strawberry infused with Thai basil. Um, which was like sweet, and there, there's actually science behind it. Like the reason you get the the pickled red onions and, and the dill pickles is the vinegars cut through the fattiness of the meats. So we started adding more and more pickled items, like a lot of fruits. Um, we did beets. We did some crazy stuff, and it went over really, really, really well in Texas. But I don't think they're ready for that up here yet. Like pineapple with your brisket, what strawberries with your written yeah. But it, it it it'll blow your mind and when you walk out after eating something like that instead of potato salad and beans and mac and cheese you don't feel like you got to find a couch and need a 4 hour nap so um so it's just trying to progress what we're doing already culinary you know i mean just push it further um make it a little bit more unique is what what we're going for well, that that's another thing that I love about about Mission Avenue is you go to so many barbecue restaurants in Omaha. Again, you guys do a different thing. Na- also- it's nationally. I mean, you're going to find this anywhere. It's not unique to Omaha. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you're the sides. It's going to be yep. be- uh, barbecue beans, mm-hmm. mayo based coleslaw, yep. um, and uh, probably and fries pot- and a mustard co- potato salad, cornbread. Yeah, and potato salad. Right. Nothing wrong with those There's things, nothing but, wrong but with what? That. But what you just talked about? What? What? What did I just list off? Heavy, 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 heavy. heavy, heavy. heavy. Yeah, you're going to go home and need to nap. Sure. The things that you're offering, you've got the street corn, you've mm-hmm. got uh, pickled vegetables. The the tomato cucumber salad is wonderful. It's, it's hugely popular. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And even even just offering like those pickled onions on the side, like that kind of almost acts as like a palate cleanser. I think. Sure. I guess I don't really have a question based off that. I just, I love that I I went in there for the first time and I was just like, but that's "Ah, the reason that that stuff is there. It's it's there to kind of cut the fat. Um, And we're, we're, we're uh, experimenting now with a watermelon salad for the summer. Oh, let's go. Which is going to have some cheese in it and maybe a little bit of Serrano. So it'll have a little bit of kick to it. Um, Yeah, it should be pretty good. So, and I've got a chef that's working with me that, that, um, we're we're trying to come up with some cool new things. So, can you tease anything out, or is that all kind of under locks right now? Um, we won't hold yeah. you, we won't hold well, your there, feet to the fire. Like I'll, if you I'll say te- something, I'll we won't t- say like, oh no, you, I'll, t- I'll tease you that. with the watermelon one. There, there's some other things that I think that are going to come too. It's just trying to source some things first, and make sure I can okay. get it. Okay. Um, I'd like to start doing some barbacoa, like <sighs> traditional barbacoa, like and that means using traditional cheap meat. But you know, I, that's. One of those things I'm kind of nervous about as well because I don't know how cheek meat is going to be received by by people up here. Um, yeah, people people go for cachete, if that's how it's pronounced. Cachet, cachete. I'm not sure, but, but yeah, on, on taco menus, I, I absolutely love it. It's some of my favorite meat there is. It's yeah. absolutely wonderful. Yeah, uh, your specials. So uh-huh. you, you've got a set menu, but you will unleash. I'm specials. rotating things in. Yeah, every once in a while, you've had pastrami, you've had brisket mac and cheese, you had the Texas two step, which yep. was like a brisket and pulled pork frito, frito pie, pie yeah, kind of. Thing's, yeah, the thing's ridiculous. How, how do you come up with those? Well, the Texas two step is actually a tribute to a place in Texas that that they call theirs the gut pack. Um, and it is in Waco, Texas. It's been there for a long, long time called Vitex Barbecue. And I, I went to Baylor University. So that thing was basically the hangover cure for four years straight. <laughs> so, you know, you went there on a Saturday and you had a line out the door. Um, great owners. They knew everybody. We went back years after graduating and they still knew who we were, you know. Um, so that's kind of like my little tribute to them. Um, the other ones I've just kind of come up with on my own. So the pastrami, um, I love pastrami. A lot of times when you see a special out there, I'm putting it out there because it's something that I, I want to eat is how I kind of do it. Like tired of brisket, tired of pulled pork. What can we do? Let's, let's do pastrami. So I, I, I was able to, to um, they take a long time to do. That's the problem. <laughs> I did two of them. They take about three weeks. To the brine. pastrami's, yeah. Yeah. So that's something that it, first time we did it, Great traction. Second time, not so much. 
if I feel demand for it, we'll do it again. Um, we'll do it. We'll add it back in. And then once winter comes, we'll also be doing some stuff um, that is going to be more winter-based, you know, some cool chilies and, and things like that. Well, I'm just going to throw it out there, try and speak it into existence. But in doing my research, I saw you, while working at Alice's Restaurant, mm-hmm. you did a brisket banh mi. We did. That yeah. looked just flat-out spectacular. And if, that, done, if that would ever grace your menu, I, would I will be do that. waiting We've had a outside lot of your success. door. We've also done it with pulled pork as well. Was that better? I think it depends on the person. Okay. Um so I know exactly what you're talking about. That that bond me we did there, we actually smoked the brisket and then we smoked it to where it was almost done. And, and then, then we sliced it. it and then we battered it and we deep fried it and then then we built our bond me around that. Yeah, that's that's the one. So I don't have a fryer, so I can't do that particular one. I have no plans on getting a fryer either. But um but yeah, the bond me is definitely that was one of the very first things that I started messing around with. It was kind of like outside of the the um the realm of traditional barbecue and when I first got into this business and uh it's been very successful over the years. It's it's a little spicy. I've noticed that's the other thing I have to do here. I have to tone it down a little bit. Uh, We're weak with our spice up here. You're a little behind Texas on what you can handle as far as the heat goes, <laughs> but uh but uh but we haven't had any trouble with that at all. We just toned it down a little bit. Well, we so. just got to get more people into your restaurant, get our right. tolerance built tolerance up a little bit more. I lived in Denver for five years, and when I moved to Denver, after that five years, when I went back home, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't eat the heat anymore. Really, and your so palate changed that it much? Did. It did over those five years, just because they didn't have the spicy stuff everywhere you went, like Texas did. And uh, yeah, it took me some time to get back to to used to it again. But uh, I was definitely after that five years. I couldn't handle it. <laughs> yeah. I, right. I love it. <laughs> I, I, I love it, too. I think I would thrive in Texas. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, well. We'll just slowly have to get it better up here. Just raise people's yeah. tolerance a little bit. <laughs> hey there, listeners. We'll get back to my guest in a minute, but I got to remind you one more time about Certified Piedmontese. There are certain moments in your life that are so remarkable, you'll just never forget them. I distinctly remember the first time that I watched LeBron James play basketball and the first time I saw the original Star Wars. The sheer awe I had in those moments changed the way I look at basketball and movies, respectively, moving forward. The same goes to steak, thanks to Certified Piedmontese. The rib cap at Casa Bovina is so rich, decadent, and fork tender that it is seared into my brain. But you don't have to dine at Casa Bovina to have that same life-changing experience. This beef is so delicious, even the average home cook can look like a superstar using these steaks, roasts, and ground beef. Trust me, I know from experience. Check out all the options on CertifiedPiedmontese.com and use my promo code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, for 25% off your order. It's time to start creating new beef-centric memories that'll stay with you forever. And now, back to my guest. I want to get into your background because it is extensive and it is fascinating. Sure. Like, you cut your teeth working at some of Austin's renowned barbecue joints. Like, Styles Switch, Valentina's Tex-Mex Barbecue, Whitfield's, Alice's Restaurant. But I want to go back even further. Mm-hmm. So, you grew up in Dallas. I did. But your love of brisket was actually developed in New Mexico. It was. So, I want to hear the full story about you and Wayne Stallings yeah. and how that man inspired you to be what you are today. Well, I got up to, after college, I went to a small ski resort town called Angel Fire, New Mexico. And I went up there to teach skiing and snowboarding for one year. And it turned into three. And up there, I met Wade. Um, And it turned out he was not only from Texas, he was also from the exact same neighborhood that I grew up in. He was about 15 years older than I was, though. And he had, um, he was building a house, had a big piece of property i think he had 10 acres up there and in the summers i would go work with him and help him build his house um and he had an old hot water heater just one just like one a residential hot water heater and he had completely gutted it and he had cut a door in it and put hinges on it and he put a rack on one end he had it sitting on cinder blocks and it, it was at a slant and he would build a fire in the low end and he put the brisket in the in the top end and he'd set that thing before we'd start working and then at the end of the day it'd almost be done and it just fascinated me just something that would take that long to cook and taste like that when you get done with it and 
I'm telling you, they were not good briskets back then either. <laughs> we thought they were, but we we really didn't know what we were doing. So uh, from there, I bought one of those. I call them R2D2 Webers, you know, and and that was my first like little pit. Oh, what we were pulling off of there was so bad, but but we thought it was great, you know. We didn't have the internet back then. I mean, we're talking. 97, 98, 99, you know, we didn't have YouTube that you could go to and 1,500 videos to see what you're doing. Um, so it was a lot of trial and error. We didn't know how to trim one to save our lives. I mean, they were half fat, you know. <laughs> but um, it was just fascinating that you could come up with something, and it took that long to do it. But but for it to come out the way it did, it just fascinated me. My grandfather was also big into smoking meats, so but he, he would bury his briskets in the ground. Oh, wow. Yeah, he would build a fire in a hole and then let it cool down, and then he would wrap them up, and he would throw them in the, in the ground, bury them for like 12 hours. So that was a little different. <laughs> little, I don't think that's legal to do in the commercial restaurant world. <laughs> so what – I know that you didn't – you were, you talked about you were fascinated by this process of creating this brisket. Sure. But you didn't go right into that professionally. You, no. You, oh, you, God, no. You still had a lot of uh, – career before you got into sure. restaurants but did that like plant something in your mind i've always wanted to to be in the restaurant business always um i didn't know that it was specifically barbecue but i always did um but i was in the commercial construction world i'm, I'm a reformed project manager is what i like to call myself hated it and uh i guess it was about 10 years ago um you know construction runs with the economy i got laid off and uh I decided, you know, I, I want to go do something I want to do. So you mentioned the places I worked, like Valentina's. I specifically went there. Like, I didn't just go try to find a job. and I, I knew who I wanted to work for and with. Um, and at the time, I had a good friend working over at Franklin. And he, he got real upset that I didn't come work with them. Uh, but I wanted to – Miguel at Valentina's, this was um, – Aaron Franklin had already hit the number one spot on um, the Texas Monthly list. Miguel had all the buzz around him. He was the uh, the guy who was up and coming. So I wanted to come work with him. And uh, about two years in working with him, we, we got on that list. So that was a pretty cool experience. And then uh, after that, I went over to uh, Stileswitch, which was also on that list. So I've worked at two of them. And uh, both of those places are fantastic. If you're ever in Austin, you, you got to give them a try. I mean, they're legendary. But you'll hear from... Well, plenty of other people than just me so i had some really good mentors and i paid attention but i also paid my dues like first three years i was in this business i went to work at 2 a.m and i got off about 11 or noon like for three years straight like, I completely flipped my world upside down and you thrived on that I, I got to where i actually loved it i loved the peace and quiet i loved the night i loved the seeing the sun come up in the morning you know and then it was like the calm before the storm and then the line of 100 people would hit around 7.30 in the morning because they did a full-service breakfast taco that was amazing as well. Just something I've toyed with adding here as well. I just don't know how it would go over. <laughs> uh, sign me up. Right. <laughs> right. I'm one person, but I... Something that I might start on Saturdays and then and see if we can grow it to, to do eventually like every day. Mm -hmm. Because it really is good. Brisket on a breakfast taco is fantastic. It really is. And uh, we will use, like, the trimmings of our, our – we take full spares, and I trim them down myself just because I, I don't like the St. Louis. I think they're too small for what you're paying for. Um, so I trim my own down, and all of that trimming, we make a in-house chorizo. We'll, we'll grind it and make a in-house chorizo. And we'll, it's a smoked chorizo, too. We do it on the pit. And that with – on a breakfast taco is insane. It's insanely good. And I haven't done that since we've been here yet, so – Yep. These are things that are coming. If you ever want to test some stuff out, don't sure. don't hold back, my friend. Right. So I, I want to go back though. You know, you talked about Valentina's when you when you started working there. It wasn't yet among you know recognized among the best of the best. But it, it, it was, had the buzz in Austin. It did not have the buzz nationally that it's gotten. Yes, but it, it was still well known. So you're going and you're applying there, and you're a guy who's got no it's well known. But keep in mind also, it is a food trailer. Yeah, it's not a brick and mortar. It, it is literally a tiny, tiny little food trailer when when I when I started. Right, but you're applying there, and you've got no professional experience. No. You've, you've got like some home smoking experience, right. and like what were d did they just accept you right away, or what were like those first couple of days and weeks for you? As well, you I learned? went and had a conversation with Miguel. Okay, and he definitely needed people, and uh, 
we walked away, and I really liked the way he did his interview process. He said, you know, he's got, he's had a lot of people coming through through the doors, but it's a high turnover. Like a lot of people don't know what they're getting into when they get into production barbecue. It's not it's not turning on the football game and cracking a beer like it is at home and waiting watching the clock. It's it's super high volume and it's very intense. Um, the way he did it, he said, why don't you come work with me for two weeks and uh, two weeks, let's decide if you like it or not. And uh, there were times in that first two weeks where uh, I just wanted to walk out. Just out, my feet hurt so bad after standing on for 12 hours. Like first thing he did was th- he threw 17 briskets in front of me. He said, I'll be back in 30 minutes, trim them up. And I was like, I can try my brisket, but I usually spend about 20 minutes on one. And, Came back, I maybe had two or three of them done. None of them to his standard, you know. And he's like, you got to pick it up. And so now I can do one in about two and a half minutes. And uh, and he, yeah, he couldn't touch me by the time I was done with, by the time I, I left there. But, um, yeah, I, I that's how I, I got in there. And it was very high pressure. Um, way more high pressure than my shop right now. Like, we were doing 42 briskets a day. Uh, 25 racks of ribs a day, eight pork butts a day, eight, 12 chickens, uh, homemade chorizo. We were doing it all, and there were only three of us. So we, we were doing a lot. I mean, it was one of those jobs, like, you got there, and you didn't look up until you left, and it seemed like you were there for an hour because <laughs> you constantly had meat to trim, stuff to get on the pit, stuff to check. And, and we were also using offset pits there and cooking with mesquite which mesquite is a whole other animal. Um, you can really ruin some stuff with mesquite. That means you have to hand feed the fire about every 15, 10, 15 minutes too. So you've got that. You've got, you have to have someone there 24 hours a day, like have to. And his expectations are super high. <laughs> Since then, he's been on diner, diners, drive-ins, and dives. He's, he's, been all over the, he's been all over the world cooking, actually. So I, I've been very fortunate with the, the mentors and teachers I've had. Mm-hmm. But I also took it very seriously, too. You know, I treated oh, it. Sure. You know, I went to work with a bunch of high school kids that were making $12 an hour. I was making $12 an hour, too. But I was there to learn with a purpose. And from day one, though, he knew that I wanted to open my own place. And I did. That's exactly what I did. I think a lot of people listening to what you just described would say, nope, I never want to do that. That well, is not my line of work that's in why any way, we're, shape, or form. That's why I'm an open book. Like, right. I'll tell you what I do because I know you're not going to do it. You might do it two or three times a year, you know, but first of all, the cost of a brisket, they're so expensive now. Second of all, as long as it takes, your average backyard guy's probably going to do four a year, mm-hmm. you know, and it's going to be on Memorial Day, Labor Day, Fourth of July, you know. Those are the, the worst days to be in the barbecue business. You don't get much business because everybody's doing, doing it in their backyard. So I'll tell you everything. I'll, I'll help anybody out with anything, any questions they have. But um, it's really just doing it over and over and over and over and over every day. Well, I wanted to ask, for a profession where so many people could not exist in that environment, much less thrive, what do you think it is about your personality or your sensibilities that allows you to not only tolerate it, but thrive in it? I think it's my work ethic, honestly. And I think that comes from my grandfather and my dad. I mean, both of those guys were hardcore construction guys and that's no easy business. And I was in that for 15 years as well. I mean, that's, that's sometimes overnight project. I, I remodeled a grocery store in Texas. That was an overnight project um, for a good eight months from seven at night to seven in the morning was when they would let us work. You know, um, I built a lot of schools, um, a lot of weekend work. So you, you've got to be okay with that. You've got to be okay with long hours and not a lot of time off, mm-hmm. especially getting it going. Like I don't really have a day off now. Like I know we're closed two days, but that doesn't mean that I'm off. I'm constantly doing something. So tell people about that because I, I hear that so often <laughs> people will say, Oh, you know, I wish, why is my favorite restaurant always closed on Mondays? I can't stand how they're closed on Mondays. Mm-hmm. Tell people that even on days where you're closed, you're, oh, the, the restaurant might day. not be open, no, but, but yeah, you're still working a full oh, day. Oh, I'm still working on a full Please, day. Please pull, pull back the probably curtain. More, Tell us about Probably that. more hours than your normal person, even on my days off. Um, you need a day to reset, especially in barbecue. Like we take the pit down and we we clean everything out of it. You got to take all the grease out of it. We clean all the grates. We take it completely apart and deep clean it every, every Monday. Um, then we have to get it going again. And once that thing is going again, it doesn't really go off. It starts on Monday and it doesn't go off until Saturday morning. 
when when the ribs and the turkeys for that day are off, then, mm-hmm. then it's off. And then Sunday, um, the real reason we closed on Sundays is we just didn't have any business on Sundays. Well, Sundays was not a good day. Um, so we decided to add Tuesdays and close on Sundays. We were originally closed Mondays and Tuesdays. Um, we'll always be closed on Monday just because I have to have that day to to take down the pit. I have to have the day to cl- deep clean everything and start all over again for the next week. Um, but like I said, my day is long. It starts at five thirty in the morning where I put ribs and ribs and turkey on. And those are for lunch that day. They have to be off by. We open eleven thirty. They have to be off by eleven. Like and sausage. All of that gets cooked. So once that gets cooked, taken out front, then it's brisket and pork butt time. I get back while. My staff is starting lunch service. I'm back there trimming briskets and pork butts, getting those going for the next day. I like to have those on by two in the morning, uh, two in the afternoon. If I can have them on by two in the afternoon, that means I know that I can get them off by about two in the morning, um, two to three in the morning, depending on size and if everything goes right. So I get those rolling at that point. I usually could take a little nap if I can. Then I'm back at some point, generally around the. Eight to ten, somewhere between eight to ten, I'm back wrapping, and I'm back looking at all the meats, and then after that, about uh, one in the morning is when I get back up there, and I'm not going to leave until all of them are done. And some of them might be done then. I might have to wait on some of them, but and then they all go into a, a resting warmer, that's not electric. It's just um, it's it's called a Cambro. Are you familiar with what a Cambro mm-hmm. is? Yep, it goes in a Cambro. And I rest those briskets and pork butts until about, mm, until I get the ribs and, and turkey on, which is 7 o'clock in the morning is my drop. They have to be on by 7. So at that point, then everything goes into our regular warmer, and we get ready for the day. We start making our beans, our corn, our potato salad, all of it. So every day, it's just a routine. But it's a long, long day. It's a long day. Just listening to you talk about barbecue and the amount of effort and work that you put into it, you can tell this is like it's in your blood. It, it is. is. It, it is. has to be. It is a part of you. And you were in barbecue nirvana in yes. Austin. Was. So how the heck did you end up in Bellevue, Nebraska, <laughs> opening a restaurant? Well, my father lives up here. Okay. And uh, he was getting to the point where he wanted somebody around, some family around. And we looked at moving him to Austin, but Austin has just become unaffordable. It's gotten so expensive. Um, we looked around Austin. We were at first our plans were okay. We'll move you down there, but there was there was two things about Austin. It didn't have a VA, and it uh, it, it had just gotten unaffordable. Like um, you can't touch a house in Austin for under half a million dollars anymore, and that's not going to be anything that that you, that's going to be spectacular by any means. You can't get a, a condo for under three hundred anymore. Like, and that's just starting. Yeah, no, uh, it, everything has gotten so expensive in that town um, that it just made more sense for me to come up here. And uh, at the time, I was consulting for some restaurant groups in Texas, and uh, I kind of wanted to get back into my, having my own restaurant again, and, and I could do that here. I could do that. So we found this property. It already had a commissary kitchen in it, which was the big expense. It was an old dentist's office. Really, I thought it, it might have been a house. It was a. It was a office. house originally, and then for I think like thirty years, it was a dentist's office. And uh, that is a wild evolution it, it for is. a building. It is. That's why. <laughs> that's why it says on the on the front door when you walk in, no drugs or, or cash kept on premises. <laughs> but um, and then I guess about five years ago, somebody came in and leased the place and put a commissary kitchen in. And I'm not sure what they were doing. They weren't doing whatever they were doing there. They were they were cooking there and taking it elsewhere. Um, so when I walked in and I saw it, I, the, the, the kitchen was the main thing that was already there. So I, the rest, we, we were able to do ourselves. So we, we, we finished it out completely 100% all by ourselves. We did everything, everything there. <laughs> and with the construction background I have. Probably didn't so, hurt, yeah. Yeah, um, I'm not going to say I enjoyed it, but but we got it done. So I, I'm open. So that's that's all that matters right now. We talked about all the previous stops that you had, all the places that you worked, and you've eaten barbecue all over the country. Sure. It, it, now that it was like time to open your own place and get mm-hmm. to express yourself through your food, and in, in, instead of cooking someone else's, what what was that like for you? Did you find well? Yourself this is draw- my third one actually. 
notes that oh. that, that I've opened. So okay, I yeah. stand corrected. Yeah. So it, so most of the stuff has been tried and true. Like okay. I already had a pretty good roadmap on to follow. Okay. Especially after being in this business and COVID, you know, we we really had to get it. Like you had to get original during COVID. That was really tough. So we learned a lot of tricks during. <laughs> during it was a double edged sword. It was horrible, but. We came out learning a lot of stuff because there was no roadmap on how to handle that either. So, you know, playing with different things and trying to give people different varieties and staying tradition, staying true to the traditional Texas meats, but you can play with everything else, you know. So, um, all of, everything that we're doing has been tried before and true. Like, we're not really throwing out too much that we haven't done before. Okay. So, first day open, I believe, at least from what I could tell on Facebook, was March 30th. Mm-hmm. You sold out that day. Mm hmm. When that day comes to mind, what do you remember most about it? Oh, just whew, chaos, controlled chaos, really. We got hit by the base. Off it hit us hard that day. I mean, it was a sea of camouflage and flight suits in there, and I wasn't sure how it was going to be. That's why I kind of wanted to open up without promoting. I knew that, that we were going to get business. We'd had plenty of – I mean, I, I was working there every day remodeling the place, trying to get it open. People so could I, see something well, And I also had – Tons of people stop in during that process. So they were waiting. It was just, I, I knew that it was going to be crazy. I just didn't know it was going to be crazy that quick. It literally, like the word spread like in three hours. And we were slammed. We were absolutely slammed. And we sold out every day for, I think, almost the first two weeks, just trying to keep up. And that's when I made the decisions to stop doing chicken and add more ribs because people were getting really angry that we weren't cooking enough ribs. <laughs> and I'm I'm doing two rounds of them to now. So, like, I get my first round off, and then I got another round that comes off for dinner just to make sure that everybody can, can get what they need so or what they want. We talked a little bit about the spice and adjusting the spice palette mm-hmm. because that's so much different here than it, it is, is in Texas. What are some other things that you've noticed, uh, some big differences that you've had to adjust to between those, the Midwest and the Texas palette? Um, the spice was definitely the big one. Um, the expectation of a, like a sweet sauce or a sweet bean, that's that, that, that was a little different too. I've had a lot of people want cornbread too. That's something that we may... I have done that at one of my previous restaurants, um, but it was a jalapeno cheddar cornbread. Of course, we we like to Still kick things savory. up a little yeah. bit more, you know. I, I I think it's the sweet profile that people want up here. A lot and of people, some us Midwestern, love our sugar. I guess, yeah. Like in the barbecue, it's like a lot of them are used to that sweeter Kansas. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, regionally where they're located, that's what they've been they've had their entire lives. So that's what they associate with barbecue. So I come in with something a little different. And it, it's thrown some people through a loop, but if you just try to understand that I'm I'm trying to keep it traditional to my region and where I came from. I came here to specifically bring that style here. Like I don't want to be the sweet guy. That's that's not that's not why I'm here. And um it's just educating people that there's different styles of it out there. And and for the most part, like like I said, it's been a very small percentage of, of people that have actually complained. <laughs> but there are some people that are serious about the way they like their their style of barbecue, and mine is not it. And I'm fine with that. I'm absolutely fine with that. But uh, but it doesn't mean that we've taken any less effort in doing what we're doing. I mean, we're absolutely putting 100% of our heart and soul on everything we do every day. That is, yeah, so easily recognizable throughout this conversation. Yeah. There's there's no corners being cut at, no. at your restaurant. No, and sometimes that... Oh, sometimes that gets exhausting, but it's just, I have standards and, and I won't let, like, we won't reheating. I would rather sell out than reheat. Like I know that for a fact I've been served reheated ribs here on way more than one occasion. And I will not do that. That is not part of my, my business model. Like I'm never going to try to press off yesterday's sliced brisket for today. You know, that's not going to happen. Like it, people spend too much money on this. Like they need to know that it is quality and it is fresh. And uh, and that's really important to me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, We're kind of running up against the clock here, but sure. I've got a couple more questions, and I especially want to get a couple like quick hitters at you, just okay. some barbecue-related questions. I know we talked earlier, you're just... You're really into the turkey now because it's just not so It's just heavy. something I've always liked. I've always liked it. It's the one thing that it's never gotten old, turkey and sausage. Okay, so... I'm curious if you could hit the reset button and you don't like, you're not sick of brisket or pork or ribs or anything mm-hmm. else. If you could have one barbecue meat for the rest of your life, what would it be? 
It'd probably still be the turkey. I mean, I, even when I came into this business, I loved, I loved smoked turkey. If the s- second would be brisket for sure, though. Okay. Or beef rib. Beef ribs, fantastic. Beef ribs. Oh my gosh, they're the so, big dino ribs. Yep, the big dino <laughs> ribs. Which I'm toying around doing it. It's just got to make sure those things sell. You got to go out a lot of money to to bring those in. If they don't sell, you can really eat it hard. So. <laughs> Well, I know that they go over super well at Porky Butts. Okay. So those usually sell out super fast. But, uh, but yeah, I, I totally understand your, your yeah. hesitance. Uh, best barbecue experience you've ever had? Whew. I've had so many of them. That one's tough. It would probably have to be um, – I was flown out to, to uh, Nashville once, and I got to, to cook for the American Wagyu Beef Association. And it was their annual conference, so all the ranchers were there. And I got to choose what I wanted to cook, and they provided it to me. And to work with some of that meat was just incredible, like absolutely incredible. And just watching at the end, they closed with a um, with a cattle auction. And uh, seeing those heifers go for half a million dollars, like no problem, just to be a breeding cow you know it was crazy to watch it was it was a lot of fun and it they had brought in um me and they had brought in a chef from la who was from japan so he he was a japanese guy who was used to working with wagyu and then they brought in a chef from um chicago and we're talking real deal culinary trained chefs which i am not and nor have i ever portrayed to be um and it was kind of fun. We did kind of did a little contest between the three of us. And at the end of that night, those guys came up to me and they said, "Do you realize you just wiped the floor with us?" And that was wow. That was a pretty cool feeling. To, to but I mean, it was all in fun, and we we had a great time doing it. Everyone was super cool. But that was a it was a lot of fun to work with ingredients that were that insane. Like we're talking New York strips that were twelve hundred dollars, like insane marbling, like. I watched it cook quick too, <laughs> but but man, that was probably my my best barbecue experience. That was fun. I I love to travel, so getting to do events in other parts of the the country has, has been a blast. I've I've cooked from Florida, Nashville, San Francisco, all L.A. all over. So it, it's been a lot of fun. What's the most innovative thing that you've seen someone do in the barbecue world? Well, we did a whole cow on an iron cross. That was pretty crazy. And, and that it took almost two days. It was nuts. Over this, it, it, it was insane. This iron cross, it would it would rotate, it would turn. Built a big fire underneath it. We did a whole cow, like like you would see a pig done. Uh, I also got the chance to do um, to cook with a guy from Brennan's in New Orleans, and we did a whole hog with him too. And we stuffed it with peaches, and 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 that oh, that was that was a pretty cool experience as well. Yeah, yeah. So we've talked so much about how hard this business is, the hours that you work, just the amount the amount of experience that you've had to accumulate to to gain these skills. It's it's a very difficult line of work. It At is. the end of the day, what keeps you in it? I just the love of it and seeing people like you that come in and 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 get it and understand that it is high quality and it's something that's not readily available. I mean, yeah, you can get it, but I mean, it's not like um, it's not everywhere. Not everybody's doing the same the same kind of style that we are. Um, um, so it's just something different, and bringing it to a new market and showing people that there's something different out there, and then finding out that they really like it. That's it's 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 fun, and it's fun to talk to the customers. And I love talking to the barbecue guys that come in, the backyard barbecue guys that all want tips. I love giving tips out and 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 seeing what they're doing in their backyards and. It's fun. It's it's just it's just gratifying. It's a gratifying um, field to be in. Like I I like the hospitality industry. Well, I'm glad that you like it because yeah. this just gives me another option to have fantastic barbecue. Well, and we'll keep doing it as long as keep people keep buying it. So yeah. So listeners, go out and buy it. Like this this is my full endorsement. Like this is some of the most unique and best smoke meats you're going to find, not just in Omaha, but that I've had really anywhere and I, I don't have extensive experience in down in texas or austin sure. but this is 
some of the best meat that I've I've had. And so don't don't be like me. Don't be turned off by a twenty minute drive to Bellevue. That's nothing. That's what it takes to get anywhere in Omaha. <laughs> it takes it takes an hour to get anywhere in Austin. <laughs> See exactly anywhere. twenty minutes is nothing. So go out to Mission Avenue Barbecue. Meet Scott. He'll give you tips Come if you us. want tips, but just go have some awesome food. For sure. And, yeah, ultimately, I just, you know, I just hope everybody's enjoying what we're doing. And, and I hope that I'm giving a good representation of what you would find in Austin, Texas, if you went down there. Mm-hmm. So, Scott, thank you so much for joining me on Thanks the show Thanks for having today. me. Thanks for having me. Pleasure is all mine. Omaha, as always, thanks for eating with us. A Huda Media Production.